Good evening, everyone. Welcome into the Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm Matt Arenas. Uh, she is Megan Epperson. We're your co-hosts. And I know we're coming at you a little bit late, but we got uh, another good weekend uh, to recap for the Jays. Another another quality one to look forward to as well. So um, we'll get you guys caught up on what happened last weekend and mainly talk some big picture stuff and kind of set up the rest of the season for you as we do. Because this conference race is really heating up for both the regular season title and for what the Big East tournament might look like with the top six teams. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to touch on a little bit. Uh, Meg, two more sweeps for the Jays. Uh, I kept my word. I did not pay Georgetown seven dollars. Did you? Did you give? Did you? Did you? No, I did not. No, I refused to pay to pay seven dollars. So. Sounds oh. like we missed a heck of a broadcast too. I think the announcer was mm, six rallies late to the match, from what I was told. So, yeah, they really gave people their money's worth. The folks that did pay, um, just yeah, not not doing that. Um, so yeah, we'll just break down the Villanova match. Really, that's what we saw. Um, it sounds like the Georgetown one was more interesting, but yeah, I think the Villanova one was a continu- continuation of what we'd seen. From Creighton, just astronomical offensive efficiency, complete wipeout start to finish. I'm not even sure. I think there might have been one lead change or one tie. Let me go double check real quick. I think there was one tie is what I'm seeing in the second one, set. One tie, and it was 1-1, one, one, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's just, that's dominance right there. And that was the match that we were kind of like, you know, because Villanova plays really well in their own gym. And they're obviously a really good team, I and mean, they're top 80 this year, but usually, you know, they kind of are up and down, you know, they alternate seasons of good good seasons, bad seasons. But this year's one of their good seasons. They've they've gotten some quality wins. They beat Northern Iowa. They beat St. John's. Both of those teams are top 50. Um, so this was a tough one for Creighton going in, right? We, we thought Creighton had to play at a pretty high level, not to just to, to get, you know, just to get a win in general, but let alone – sweep it and dominate it the way they did. What kind of a statement do you think Creighton made? Um, just kind of, I don't know, just making that one the easy one for the weekend, really, when it seemed like it was the tough one on paper. Yeah, I think their overall performance in really every facet of the game was really impressive, which was cool to see kind of everything, I thought, come came together. I mean, they've had some really good matches, obviously, in the last several that they've played, but I thought they did everything at a really high level. And, to not let Villanova like creep in and, you know, go back and forth and that sort of thing. I think that says a lot just about establishing like who's in charge of the momentum and who's really just going to close this match out. And I mean, as you mentioned, there really wasn't a question of, you know, is a set going to go this way or that way? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't an interesting game in that sort of sense where you're like wondering, you know, on the edge of your seat, like, Oh, you know, back and forth points. So I mean, that was just good to see, um, and people stepped up. I thought Sydney Breisinger did a really good job. She was back in the lineup, and she did a really good job at that libero position. Um, so they've just continued to, you know, have different people in and out of the lineup and played really well with whoever's in there. Yeah, Sydney Breisinger is a good one to mention, too, because, you know, I think it stands out that, you know, she was rock solid at that libero position, but also, you know, her out-of-system setting was one thing that Coach Booth mentioned after the match that was a kind of a big deal. When you look at the way Creighton hit dang near 500 
as a team for the match. I think it was their third. I think they had eclipsed their third best um, attack percentage in program history that they just said a couple weeks ago against Georgetown. They had 493 against the Wildcats. And I think a lot of that you can kind of attribute to Sidney Breisinger just kind of setting some good balls on second contacts on out of system plays and allowing our hitters to, you know, be close enough to the net um, where they could terminate and find holes, you know? Yeah, that was one thing that I noticed too, just watching where she was placing that ball. And I thought, you know, she put it out in front of people and gave them some room to work with, take really strong approaches and not just kind of roll shot a ball over, you know, out of system. they were taking really hard rips out of system, which is just obviously best case scenario when you know who the ball's going to go to. So I just thought she was, in all the right spots and put the ball in a really good spot off that second contact when she had a chance to. Is it different for, you know, when you're out of system to get a, you know, a, a traditional, traditional set as opposed to a bump set? What's the difference there in terms of if you're a hitter, how, how different does that ball feel? Yeah, a lot of times that ball just comes over your shoulder a little bit more. So if you're out of system and you're taking that ball more like behind you, usually you're trying to get deeper or a little bit wider just to kind of give that person who's not your typical, you know, second contact all the time, a good area to work with. And then you're trying to wait and be fast to the ball and still have a really aggressive approach. So whereas if that ball's coming like 10 foot line or ahead of the 10 foot line closer to the net, that ball is more just naturally in front of you. You know, it's coming from in front of you. It's not as hard to see that ball. Sometimes when it's like behind you, it's coming off the net. You honestly don't see the ball until it's like equal with you. Right. And then you have to find it sometimes just depending mm -hmm. on the angle. So um, yeah, it can just be kind of a different, different swing too. Obviously sometimes you're blind. Like if there's a block in front of you and you don't see that ball until it's nearly like on top of your head, you, you don't really have the vision of, Oh, I have a wall in front of me or I have one blocker and, so that's huh. when people try to communicate, you know, you, you've got one, you've got a whole, you know, that sort of stuff or where they can roll shot or tip or that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think that was interesting the, that she was setting normal balls out of that second contact out of system, as opposed to just a typical bump set you see from DSs or liberos that have to handle it. Um, I don't know how much of a factor that is, but it sounds like there's some technical differences, especially when you're a hitter um, where if you get that, you know, traditional set, whether it's a second contact from your setter or your DS, that you have, you know, more time, as you said, to process what's in front of you as opposed to just finding the ball and hitting it as hard as you can, right? Yeah, and I think sometimes the thing with out-of-system setting is you have somebody that's not typically doing it. It's like we could trap set people for trying to be too perfect, right? And mm -hmm. so they always talk about five feet in, five feet off. That's kind of like the general rule of that, like five off, five in. So, I mean, as far as that goes, I thought she put the ball, you know, there. It's not too tight. It's not too wide. I mean, that's when situations happen, it's hard to get a ball over if you're really wide outside of that antenna or you're super tight trying to stay out of the net. So you just got to give people a good ball in front of them, yet you can't lead them too much where they're trap set or they're trying not to land on other people on the other side of the net. So it's, there's an art to it, and I think sometimes you don't realize, like, this ball, you know, it's like they take reps every single day of, okay, second contact, where are we putting this ball? Because it's just so important. Yeah, and I think it's something that Creighton's gotten better at as the season's gone along because, I don't know, you just – I think when you have uh, veterans, I guess, um, you know, in your back row, you know what Kendra can do, and then, you know, your pins are – I mean, Nora's a veteran, Keanu Schmidt's a veteran, 
and Ava Martin got a lot of reps last year as a freshman. So, you know, those kind of unpredictable moments for Creighton this year have been maybe a work in progress as the season's gone along because you just don't know what's going to, you know, with everybody that's been in and out of the lineup, there's been a lot of different pieces that have to play different roles. I think kind of trying to figure out who they are in all phases, you know, whether they nail, whether they, they nail a three ball on the first contact or whether it's a two or a one or whether Kendra's having to scramble and play defense and someone else has to set the ball or who, where are you going to out of system? What's your back row attack look like? All that kind of stuff has been fluid for Creighton this year. Maybe taking a little bit longer than it normally would because of all the injuries, right? So I think it's, uh, you know, I think that's the one thing about this offense is as they're starting to check more of those boxes and be solid in more of those phases, and as players are starting to get more comfortable getting their numbers called, stepping up, uh, just knowing their roles on any given moment, it looks like it's starting to translate in their performances, and we're seeing it kind of on paper now, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you said, it's just been an interesting season with people injured and people coming back into the lineup and, you know, having that break of time and then trying to come back and see, okay, where are we going to shift? You know, what which players have come on really strong recently? Like Kiara Reinhardt's a really good example of that. She's come on really strong, and I think, you know, Anne-Marie Remus, she gets healthy, but then it's like, what, what's our best case scenario because people have stepped up and you're just trying to kind of find who's best. And I mean, the positional battles have been tight as we've seen in the preseason and then into the season, they have been able just to switch people around and find success with different people. So that part of it is, is fun, but it's, it's hard to decide, you know, what's really our best lineup and how can we maximize what we're able to do and who needs to be in which position. Yeah. That's the challenge of this, this year's team, right? Like just figuring out, yeah what our best what our best lineup is the rest of the year because i mean you're in november now yeah like you, it's not just you're not you can't really experiment anymore because you have to find you have to basically start peaking at this point because you have to get to you know you have three weeks left in the regular season then you're playing playoff volleyball you know so you have to kind of these next two weeks are basically where you have to start clicking don't you think like you have to start playing your best and sustain it yeah, for sure. I think that's a part of it is you, you hope, obviously, people are healthy and that sort of thing. I mean, it doesn't always work out like that, but you want to have that lineup set of, okay, we're playing next to each other. We know what this person's going to do without even like having to communicate, you know, just getting used to the familiarity of people together, playing together all the time in game situations. So that's the part of you have, you know, an entire month now to work into, okay, this is what our best lineup is. I mean, Norris is coming back is a huge part of that. Obviously, I think she just steadies the team in general with her presence and her play and her ability just all around. You know, she does everything really well. We've talked about that. So she's a big add-on. And then, I mean, you've had Kiara Reinhardt, who's been extremely strong blocking-wise. I'm sure we'll talk on that a little bit later. But she's just come on offensively and defensively. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You just have a lot of moving pieces. And hopefully they can find a little bit of, comfort I guess and figure out okay this is my position I'm going to play it really well and we're just going to try to get a little bit better as a group and you know that group that's out there especially like how can we push that group in practice and make them a little bit better as a cohesive unit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so out of the Villanova match Norris you know I think one of the other things that was really interesting about the weekend uh, we did obviously we're not going to analyze anything from the Georgetown th match because we didn't see it but just on paper, you know, against Nova, Ava Martin and Norris combined for 22 kills and both hit 
over 500, which is insane for your outsides. Um, they also had 11 digs, three aces, and three blocks between them. And then against Georgetown, a match that was a bit tighter, but still pretty dominant when you look at sets one and three, and the way Creighton kind of took over late in set two, in basically the only set that had any drama to it all weekend. But Kiana Schmidt and Kiara Reinhardt, you know, combined for 15 kills out of your middle and, you know, slide positions offensively. They had eight blocks, six digs. Kiara had four aces, which I think ties her career high. Um, it was Creighton's best serving match of the season. I don't think that we need to see anything to know that. 12 aces, four errors is just, I mean, you're playing, you're serving really well if you're doing that. So, um, you know, there was, like, it's, it's just different people in two matches, a different combo of players that kind of led the way and did it in multiple phases, as you mentioned at the top of the, at the top of the podcast was, you know, you we're seeing out of Creighton now is not just a one dimensional path to success. You know, it's serving, it's hitting, it's setting, it's defense, it's blocking, it's, uh, you know, out of system termination. It's, you know, dig transition. It's, you know, it's just, it feels like they're checking multiple boxes on any given night and it's making them really hard to beat at this point. And I think that's kind of what we see out of this weekend again um, with their second road weekend in a row. We have two different combos of players that step up in each match and kind of take over and lead the way, you know? Yeah. And I think that's good to have, obviously. I mean, you've had teams in the past and teams I played on. This team's a great offensive team, right? This team's a great blocking team, defense team. And sometimes you have certain things like you hang your hat on of, yep, we're going to out-defense anyone. We're going to out-offense anyone. But this team at times can just kind of play in both sides of that, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. they played really well offensively, obviously, their last several matches. Um, but they started the season off playing really well defensively, I thought. And their offense kind of had to come along a little bit. And now we've seen that maybe catch up to each other and so you know it's a toss-up every game of hey they can play at a really high level defensively offensively and that just makes for a better you know more well-rounded team in general yeah and it reflects in the performance you know you just it, matches are over in under 90 minutes yeah you know, there's not there's not a whole lot of adversity Kirsten's not burning timeouts uh I you know since Nora came back the six matches where she's been back and um you know, because she didn't hit in the first two, so the offense still had to carry the load without her. But we mentioned when she got hurt that I think the 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 first thing that people are going to assume that Creighton needs to fill in terms of a void without her is the offensive production. But that's kind of missing the greatness of Nora Sis to a degree, right? Because we talked about she's not just there best offensive option in terms of kills she's she's their one of their best options in terms of being able to kind of switch the i don't even know how you would phrase it in volleyball but like if you think about it in football like field position battle right like sometimes punting's okay because you flip the field and you pin a team back and it kind of changes the momentum like when you're out of system and you throw the ball up to nor assists whether she gets a kill or not she's Taking an aggressive rip most of the time, and she might put that other team out of system with a with a with a with a swing. So that's part of it too, not just getting kills, but what she can do to disrupt teams with her hitting and serving. And she's at one of the best passers on the team, and she's a pretty good blocker for a pin. So there's just a lot of 
there's a lot of components to Nora's game that Creighton missed that you can't really replace in one player, that, but she brings it in one player. So I think that's what we're seeing now with her back. And you just look at the way Creighton's performed with her back in the lineup, just in any kind of role. It was the first weekend it was serving and passing, um, defense, and then the last two weekends it's been all six rotations every phase. She's just been let go, you know. Um, and it's not, it has, you know, everybody kind of poo-poo's the Big East, and I, it's not, they're not totally off base. The Big East isn't a strong conference, but, you know, two of those six matches were against Villanova, who is a top 80 team. So they're upper echelon D1. They've notched top 50 wins already. They're a tough team to beat. Um, Georgetown is an above average team. And, you know, UConn and Providence are the ones that are struggling. But, you know, so there's four matches there against good volleyball teams out of those six. And Creighton's hitting 391 offensively in those six matches. Just for perspective, um, Pitt's leading the country at 315. So that's 70 to 80 points higher than the number one hitting offense in the country, small sample size notwithstanding. But 391 is significant. They're averaging 2.39 aces per set, which would is about, you know, 0.15 better than Dayton, who's leading the country right now in aces per set at 2.26. And they're blocking at 2.67 blocks per set is, you know, would be top 20 in the country over that span. So they're, you know, having Nora back, and I think maybe the confidence that everyone else was able to build up by having some success in a five-week span without her, I think it's, you know, as you're talking about a mesh point of everything coming together with people figuring out their roles and kind of building confidence in their skills and matches, I think we're seeing, that's what we've seen now in the last three weeks with Nora back is some translation there with their, everyone else's confidence. And then just maybe a step above that level, having your stud back, because I think it elevates everyone else's belief when they're on the floor that they can do anything and handle any situation now that their studs back in the lineup, you know? Yeah, for sure. And obviously, I mean, you don't ever want anyone to get injured, but like looking back and we'll see, obviously, you know, a month and a half from now, if it does pay off, but it could have been the best thing to happen to Creighton because they kind of had to reinvent themselves. You know, they had to get middles involved. They had to figure out that right side position and get good production because they don't have Nora just to bail them out all the time. You know, she's in there in the background. She's in there, obviously on the left pin, taking big swings. And if you're out of system, who's it going to go to 80%, 85% of the time, you know, probably Nora. So in those situations, they've had to kind of test themselves and say, okay, how can we be a little bit more creative? Right. It's not just my typical, like if I'm Kendra Waite, like, and I have Narcissus as an option in those situations, like Mm -hmm. I would take it too. Right. I mean, everyone would just statistically. So, I mean, that part of it, could honestly pay off for them in the long run. I mean, that's just, that's an interesting thing about Nora. Obviously I think just her presence is a threat because defenses have to worry about her, Mm -hmm. whether she's getting the ball or not, you know, especially in the back row. I think that's the thing blocking wise, you have to worry about Nora coming down the back row when she's in there. So that part of it is just, I mean, she's always a threat, right? Even if she's not getting a ball because you can throw that ball to her basically anywhere and she can Yeah. Yeah, and, and to your point too, uh, you know, we talked about it on the last pod, but I'm, it, you know, it transferred again over this weekend, and I'm just kind of fascinated by it going forward because 
I don't know. I just think it's really hard to be this good in that area of the game that Creighton's been in. And I'm talking about transition offense, you know, where your first contact is defense basically. And you're handling a ball. That's maybe not what you practice in the gym, right? It's kind of the unpredictable ball, whether the other teams in system or not, but Creighton's hitting 441 their last six matches in transition, which is just a stupid high number. They've only been blocked six times on 222 swings. And it's to the everything you just said about where Nora is on the floor is a problem for defenses. Number one, if she's in the back row, she can terminate. If she's in the pin, she can terminate. If she's in system or out of system, she can terminate. So she's priority number one defensively. But then you have Ava Martin, who has stepped up into a six rotation uh, stud as well, who can terminate out of the back row, who can terminate out of the off the pin. You have Kiana Schmidt, who's you know one of the best attackers in the Big East on the slide, and then you have Kiara Reinhardt emerging as a you know an extremely efficient option out of that middle spot, and then Ellie Bickelmeyer, who has been playing a lot better out of the right side, and then you have Kendra Waite, who is you know a really physical threat as a setter. She's not just savvy. She's physical. You know, it's hard to dig her balls. It's hard to win joust with her. So you have so many offensive options all of a sudden with Nora and Ava having front or back row versatility, you know, Ellie and Kiana having the ability to terminate on the right side in different ways with different balls and Kiara being really good at that quick set in the middle. That transition offense right now, when they're playing defense first is incredibly deadly and it just, I don't know. Their ceiling to me has gone way up when I think about what they're capable of because of how many ways they can terminate offensively. I know defense is going to be ultimately what will be the deciding factor and if they get to a Final Four or can contend for a national title, right? But, I mean, just offensively in terms of having multiple options, that's going to get you past weekend number one into weekend number two and make you a threat to be in that last, you know, in the Final Four, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, obviously you have to do everything at a really high level to be successful when you get to that point. Um, yeah. And this Marquette match this weekend is going to be, you know, the mm-hmm. best test of, okay, where do we stack up? Because this is the type of caliber team that we're going to see on the second and third weekend. So mm-hmm. that part of it will be a good test. And, you know, we'll see, like, they've been on fire offensively. Can that continue against a team that's better, you know, at defense than the teams mm-hmm. they've played the last couple weekends? So that part of it for me is interesting to see, like, just can we do everything at a really high level against a really good opponent? Obviously, you know, and that's that's the test of it all in um, end game. I like that they have them right now. I mean, obviously they've been on fire, you know, taking care of games, sets, especially just pure pure domination in a lot of these <laughs> matches recently, right? So mm-hmm. that part of it, hopefully they'll carry some of that momentum into this weekend, and you know, hopefully play really well. You know what else I like that just hit me when I think about how clean they've been for these last few weeks, you know, really this last end of October, essentially. They've had a couple games where you could see them dropping it. You know, they were down 17-10 at Providence in set two after rolling them in one. You know, that's a game I, you know, I've seen get away and, you know, you have to reset after that. Uh, Georgetown match, they were down, I think, 17-13 late in set two and came back with a I think they outscored them 12 to four to end it. You know, they didn't go to extras. Um, you know, to me, it's just, I, I think, you know, as dominant as Creighton's been, they've still shown the ability to overcome some inset adversity where they've had to dig out of a hole and play clean volleyball down the stretch and execute 
and, you know, get the job done to, to stay clean, you know? So I think, well, they've won 21 sets in a row. Is that what it is? Or 18? I think it's 21, right? They swept DePaul. Yeah. So 21 sets in a row. Um, you know, the DePaul match though could have gone either way. Either of those three sets were toss-ups, right? Uh, there have been toss-ups against, there was a toss-up against Villanova at home. There was a toss-up at Providence. I think there was one set against UConn that might have been, that could have gone either way. But I mean, it hasn't been total domination, but I, but I think that's good too because you have to be able to figure things out when, you know, that particular set isn't as clean as the one you just had. You know, how do you avoid dropping it and having to reset at, at intermission? You know, that's a big deal to me. So I like that there's been some games in there that have had to, you know, show Creighton's medal a little bit to a degree. Yeah, they've kind of had to figure out that urgency. And, I mean, we talked about that, obviously, earlier in the season where we thought maybe they struggled a little bit with the urgency and dropped some sets that they could have won. And for them to have, like you said, those sort of in-set battles of, okay, like, we're not giving up on this. We're going to put our foot down and we're going to score points. We're going to go on runs. You know, we're going to catch up. Like, they're capable of doing that. And sometimes I, you know, don't know if they believed early in the season, like, hey, like we can go on a run and we can finish this off. Like we don't need to go into extra sets, that sort of thing. But now I feel like that urgency is there and you kind of see the fire a little bit earlier, maybe than you did, you know, in the in early in the season where it maybe took them a few more points of like, hey, like, let's go. Right. It's that it's that yeah. sense of like, OK, we have to score this point right now. Yeah, I like the fact that. You know what? Ellie Bolton's still out right now. Takes away one of their options there, but I like that they have multiple players who can go on serving runs. Mm-hmm. I think that I, 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 not just capable, but are confident enough, and that the team is confident enough in front of them that they know what what this ball over here is going to put this team out of system or disrupt them to a degree that they can get into their flow. You know, uh, but with with Kiara Reinhardt, Norris Sis, Ava Martin, Sydney Breisinger, you know, those are four players just off the top of my head right there that are capable of being disruptive servers and going on big serving runs, serving runs that change sets, that change matches, that, you know, take over um, and allow a team to build confidence and build swagger and just build belief that they're going to just roll, you know? I think that's big that they have some diversity there behind the line as well as they have in front of it, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I think, I mean, we've seen people come on, obviously, Kiara Reinhardt has not served, you know, all all season, right, the whole season. But in the games that she has, she's disrupted teams and gotten them out of system and then obviously picked up four aces this weekend. Um, So that's a good showing of it. But I mean, the main thing is, can we get teams out of system? And has continued to get better and better at getting teams out of system and targeting certain players and driving the ball into seams and moving people short and deep, you know, just doing everything they can back there to, you know, get a team out of system and figure out that, that blocking scheme then on their side. And the block has looked really good to block touches and mm. Seth blocks have both looked really good recently for them. Yeah. Kiara Reinhardt defensive player of the week in the big East this week. She's the fifth different Creighton player now to win one of those awards. So that's most in the league. Marquette's at three, I think, and St. John's is at three as well. But, you know, Kiana's won Defensive Player of the Week. Kendra's won it. Nora and Ava and Kendra have both won, or all three of them have won Offensive Player of the Week. So, you know, it's just a really talented squad, but they're also playing really well. And Kiara in particular, we've been talking about her for weeks now, but, you know, it kind of feels like she's just, she's on right now, you know? I don't, you kind of know what you're getting out of her now every night at this point because the sample size has kind of gotten big enough to where you can 
depend on this. It's not just a heater. It's not just one weekend. You know, she's she's figuring it out, it looks like, and she's playing at a really high level. And, you know, the, you mentioned block touches. That's something that always stands out to me with Kiara right now. You know, this last month and a half, I guess, is, you know, it just it just feels different. I don't know how to explain it in a – I mean, statistically, it's there, but it just feels different when she gets a block touch. Like, I, you, it, it sounds different. It's more emphatic. Her energy is different when she gets one. The team's energy feeding off of her is different when she gets one. I, I just feel like it, it, it's, an, it's a component of Creighton's play this year that hasn't always been there. We thought it might be in the preseason. Remember, we thought this might be a really good blocking team because they have size, they have physicality. You know, we thought they were in our early looks at them, you know, in practices and in exhibitions that the team had a chance to be a really good blocking team. And that's kind of what it's starting to look like when they're healthy and when they've got everybody there. You know, we talked about Nora. She's really good. Kiana and Kendra are really good. But with Kiara, you know, in occupying that that second middles position, that it just feels different. That feels like a different level of blocking to me. I don't know. But you're the expert in that area. So I'll tee that one up for you to tell me what you see in terms of what I'm feeling. Yeah. I mean, the main thing is obviously she works with her feet really hard to close the block. And even if she's late, she works to get her hands over. And I mean, that's half the battle is, Hey, if I'm late, like, can I get over? Can I get a touch? Um, Cause obviously you can't be in every, every position right at once. And the team that's their goal is to try to get one-on-ones and get holes in the block. So She's just done a good job. I mean, reading wise too, I think she does a good job of just anticipating a lot of that as a middle blocker, especially is just feel for it. Like if that ball's on the net, is she going to set the ball quick to the middle? Is she going to go outside? And so she's just kind of in a groove, I think. Um, And it shows, right. I think sometimes she makes it look easy when, I mean, what she's doing obviously isn't easy. So that's, that's when it's fun. And when you kind of are just in tune of, hey, this is what I think they're going to do, um, you know, and you're familiar with the team, just comfortable, like, in your position. Just fun to watch her get over the net and take up space. Obviously, she's a big block, too, so um, teams have to worry about her on the other side of the net. Do you think teams are starting to worry about her offensively a little bit? Do you see some – I guess when you're watching another team's block, do you see some hesitation there in terms of whether they should stay with her or go to the pin, you know, because normally when Kendra's setting that ball to – Kiara, she's sitting in front of her, right? She doesn't usually backset Kiara. So when she's setting Kiara, that's usually a two-option ball right there, or a three-option ball because she has the back row, right? So, you know, she's when she sets Kiara, she's usually either got Ava or Nora on the left side or one of them in the back row that she can set. And it looks like it's giving Kiara some holes, you know, because I don't think, especially Georgetown, didn't look like they stayed with the middles. You know, just on paper, it looks like they were really keying on Nora and Ava and trying to make that difficult, you know, but it, it turns into a situation where you really have to pick your poison. And with the way Kiara is terminating right now, I, I could see it causing some hesitation with a block, whether they have to commit to her, you know, just for a second until you can get the tempo down, um, which in which in which case it'll make it really easy for Nora or Ava to terminate that ball, right? Yeah, for sure. I think they like to run that six ball that's just behind Kendra. So it's just like just behind her head, but it's like a reverse quick, essentially. Okay. So they yeah. run that a lot. And I I mean, the benefit of that is obviously you're moving over your middle block attack a little bit. And so you have a farther distance for the middle blocker on the opposing side to try to close to your outside, who's your primary offensive option. 
Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, the thing about Kiara too, is that ball hangs a little bit. I mean, she likes a ball that maybe hangs a little bit and isn't like pumped in there super fast. So the blocker has to kind of stay and try to figure out, okay, like if she sets it right behind her and then I have to try to close to the outside, that's just a far distance. Right. And so I think that's why you get some one-on-ones of, I mean, if I was scouting Creighton, obviously a lot of times like their outsides are going to be fed the ball and they should, I mean, they terminate at a really high rate. So Mm -hmm that part of it is just hard for defenses to kind of figure out. And then, I mean, if you run the back option too, to your right side, I mean, you've had really good offensive production. So, I mean, that's when you get in conversations of, right. Like we can't give any hitter up. And when you play teams at times, you're like, this girl's not going to score on us. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, it's right. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like an honest conversation of if this girl attacks, like we can dig her, like, don't worry about it. Right. But right. you don't really have that for Creighton. I mean, everyone can terminate for the most mm-hmm. part. Right. I think you have your key cogs of, okay, this girl's going to blast the ball. Like we need to get two hands in front of her. But I mean, for the most part, all of Creighton's attackers are going to swing hard enough and put enough velocity on that ball that we need to try to have a blocker in front of them. So it just disrupts defenses. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's I you know you're 100 right. You you go into your scout and you're like, okay, this player is getting X number of percentage of temps. They're not going to set her, so we're going to key in on this. And if they do set her and she does start getting some kills, and we don't dig her, we're not in the right spots. You can adjust in match it, you know, or in set at that, you know. Um, but you do have to play percentages and you do have to kind of pick your poison out there. And with Creighton's offense right now, it's really difficult because. You know, the way Kendra's distributed the ball the last three weeks, you know, we haven't seen a Nora Sis 50 swing game yet. We haven't seen an Ava Martin 40 swing game. It's been, you know, high 20s and, you know, Kiana and Kiara get theirs. Ellie gets hers. Kendra gets hers. Like, it's it's a really diverse offense in terms of opportunities. And I think when you're scouting that, you just have to kind of play a guessing game at some point. Like, what do you want to take away first? and hope it creates a bad ripple effect for Creighton, right? Like if you take away Nora and Ava and key in on them and put four hands in front of them, maybe it disrupts their offensive flow just enough to where you can stay in the match or stay in the set and late at end game. It's just point for point and you can pull it out. You know, it's just a percentage game. But I think, you know, what I think Creighton's offense right now is doing multiple things really well. And then and another thing I wanted to ask you too is because they're not just setting normal like Vix to Ava or Ken or or Nora, like are they running them down different seams or am I crazy? Because they're not just they're not just sending them down the middle. Like some of those are almost on the right side the way they're setting them, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit. I mean, it just shifted over. The nice, I mean, when you do that, the nice thing is the middle blocker can't just like stay in base in the middle. Yeah. They have to adjust, right? So. I mean, if you're shifting over to the right back just a little bit, then their distance for the opposing middle blocker is even farther to go to close to your outside option. So, I mean, it's just kind of stretching the middle blocker, honestly, if, okay, like your distance to close is now going to be even farther, right? So it's like, good luck, you know, mm-hmm. you two options that are terminal and they run that ball fast. And I mean, both your outside and your backer option are going to attack. I mean, at a really, you know, strong, powerful swing behind them. So it's not something where like, yeah, we'll just dig it. Right. Like that's not, you're not in those conversations of, we don't play. Yeah. That's not a good strategy. It's just like, it's not a team. I mean, you have teams like that of like, oh, the background option, like, let's just dig it. Like, let's not worry about it. But you don't, I mean, you have powerful hitters, so you can't just give people up. And I mean, that's, if I was a middle blocker playing Creighton, you know, it's like, 
what do I do in situations, right? I mean, you're kind of at a loss for what to do unless if they're out of system. And that's why it's like, you yeah. have to serve yeah. them out of system and just minimize options. Because if you have four options every single time coming at you, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? I mean, you just it's just hard. Like that's just a hard position to be in. That's yeah. Because of the, because of the little amount of time you have to react as a defender, whether you're blocking or covering, if you don't get them out of system, what you're dealing with, because the, the other thing that Creighton does is they don't just run their right sides on the line. They'll bring them into the middle of the floor and have them, you know, like hit a quick ball. Um, then you have Kiara to worry about. And like you said, when they have Nora or Ava coming from the back row out of almost that, like, you know, right side seam out of what that would be zone coming up through. Yeah. Coming up through zone one. Right. Think of how stretched out your defense is at that point and how little time you already have to react to where that ball's going. So if like, say you're loaded to the left side and you know, Creighton sets a three or passes a three, then Kendra has her slide, her middle, her pin. If she wants to just, play, you know, her pin to the loaded side of the defense or the back row from the middle or from zone one. Like, as a defense, you you almost can't load up on Creighton at that point because you have to stretch the floor to be able to cover as much as as much ground as they can hit, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the hard thing of <laughs> trying to figure out, like, percentage-wise, okay, who are we going to go with? And obviously... Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone takes what their blocking assignment is, but that just creates, I mean, holes. Because your middle blocker, it's, you're not going to be able to close. I mean, realistically, if you're completely in system, you have the advantage. I mean, you clearly have the upper hand right on the defense of just like, I could set anybody that I want to, and we're going to have probably a one-on-one, you know. I mean, most likely you're not going to have two blockers in front of you unless if a blocker guesses. So that part of it is just, I mean, it's almost impossible as a middle blocker of, okay, who are we going to go to? And um, just, yeah, trying to play percentages and figure it out, get a feel for it. I mean, it's just hard when teams are in system and that's why serving is so important. Serving and passing is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, I don't envy you middles having to, having to play the guessing instinct game because you can like, it's probably the position where you can look the most foolish at times if you guess wrong, right? Like just be totally out of position and easy kill to the f- side of the floor. You you could have been covering if you had read it differently or guessed right, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. Um, And that, and with Creighton's offense right now, I just, you, you wonder how long it's cause it's not just a heater. It's three weeks now and it feels like connection and everything is getting a lot better and confidence with every hitter is getting a lot better. And hitter confidence in the setter is getting a lot better. It just, I'm curious to see how long it sustains itself because it just, it looks like, it looks like it's going to be tough to beat Creighton if they're playing at anywhere near this level. They don't even have to play this well, you know what I mean? With the way they defend and serve and, and block. Um, but with the way they're playing offensively right now, it's made these matches just absolute wipeouts from start to finish. So, so it'll be interesting to see how long it sustains itself. And even, and if it, possibly gets better um should we just tee up what's uh coming up for Creighton here I mean we're getting down to almost postseason time so there's a lot of chatter about seeds and things like that I think I saw the NCAA put out their um kind of their mock bracket today 
and they had Creighton going to Lawrence. Um, it looked like Dayton was their last team hosting, and BYU was hosting. I, I'm not really sure. I don't really get that. I, I think Creighton's resume right now even is better than those two teams. So I know some of it's projection, but I'm not really sure. You know, I guess if Creighton if Creighton beats Marquette this weekend and beats St. John's, that's two more top 50 wins. That'll put them at, I think, 10 top 75 wins with only three losses. And uh, what I think two of them would have come without Nora. Like, I don't know. I feel like Creighton's got one of the 11 or 12 best resumes in the country right now in totality. And when you factor in that Nora Smith, Nora Smith missed five weeks and they lost, well, they lost, they lost three of their four matches in that stretch, right? The only time they've lost with Nora is the Duke match where they outscored Duke on the aggregate, but lost a couple sets by two. You know, so, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how Creighton's not hosting right now. So that was weird to see that. But they had him going to Lawrence, and then the winner of the Lawrence Regional goes to Lincoln. So, I don't know. It felt storyline-y to me when they released that. So I don't know if that was playing into it just for engagement um, purposes as opposed to who's actually got the most deserving resume. I have a hard time seeing Dayton hosting over Creighton unless Creighton loses some more matches. I just don't see it. They don't, yeah, I don't either. That doesn't make you know, they're, 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 I think they're 25 and two, but they haven't. They, you know, they lost to Marquette. They lost to Louisville. Those are the two best teams they've played. The other, the other wins are top 40, top 50 ish. Like, that's not, they don't, they have, Creighton has better wins than that. So, I don't know. Um. So, yeah, that's where Creighton is kind of in the landscape of national landscape right now. Um, but the rest of the year sets up for some exciting volleyball, I think. Like, it, it feels like postseason volleyball right now, don't you think? You know, because this weekend's the Paul Marquette. Next weekend they go back on the road for St. John's, Seton Hall, and then they're back home for the final weekend of the regular season against the Xavier team that's that beat them earlier this year and uh Butler for senior day, right? So then the, then they'll go to Milwaukee for the Big East tournament and then the NCAA tournament after that. It feels like postseason volleyball right now. Um, you know, St. John's and Creighton are ten and two. In the league, Marquette's eleven and one, so and they all play each other twice. The rest, there's a round robin there of those three, the rest of the way. So it's going to be decided by them. You know, it's like control your own destiny. Kind of, each team has the opportunity to win the league, and yeah, it just feels like these last three weeks, and then it's postseason. But it feels like postseason volleyball right now to me. Do you do you think it feels that way to you? Yeah, I think. November hits and I think you kind of get the itch, right? I mean, we talked about like the seasons broken yep. down in October. They were, you always talk about it's kind of hard because it's just the middle of season and you're kind of like you're playing, obviously you're playing for something. But once you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel of, hey, our goal is to make it to the NCAA tournament and win a Big East title and win a Big East tournament. I think you kind of see that more on the horizon of, hey, the end of this month, like it's a few weeks now instead of several. So that part of it for me is definitely, I think you start to kind of feel that and especially having that matchup with Marquette. I mean, it's, it'll have been nearly a month, you know, since they played them last. Yeah. So that part of it, I think they're probably hungry, obviously to play Marquette just based upon how that game went mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. So, I mean, no, definitely- Nora, Nora, Nora mentioned that in her post-match uh, after, after her first one back, she brought up, like I don't know, she didn't bring up Marquette, but she mentioned like playing them, which I think is is 
it's not out, it's a little bit out of character normally creighton doesn't look ahead you know what i mean like they just yeah they're just like yeah it was good to win tonight uh yeah we'll try to do it again on sunday or whatever you know it's kind of the same old quote um but i think that's like a, i think they are like kind of chopping at the bit to play marquette again especially nora because she didn't get to play in the first match and you know as much as she loves volleyball she's also really competitive and hates to lose so I'm sure getting swept when she couldn't have anything to do about it, like say about it was, you know, probably pissed her off a little bit. And I think, you know, I think this, this weekend is going to be big for Creighton. I think it'll be interesting to see what level they play at, because I think, I think they know it's time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. And I think obviously, I mean, Marquette, you're always going to come ready to play, you know, mm-hmm. when, when they come to town and, um yeah I mean for them to just get swept in Milwaukee obviously that leaves a bad taste in your mouth and um you've got a different lineup and different people in there and obviously the Creighton team that played then versus who's gonna play on Sunday is very different so that part of it will be interesting to kind of see you know and I think Marquette for the most part has kind of had the same people in their lineup I mean correct me if I'm Uh, wrong one well one major difference is uh Yadi Ashanti is still out so she's missed the last two weeks with the they said it was an appendix so i don't know if she had it taken out or if she was just sick if she had it taken out i'm not sure if she's gonna make it back but um for the season but um depending on how she's feeling like she's been out the last two weeks but they've swept everybody they've played yeah including that road trip at xavier and butler which we kind of circled as a potential tough one for them um so they've handled business without her but you know ella Foti has had to set so that takes away your right side option it's kind of it's kind of the it was the game Creighton had to play against Auburn last year where Jazz Schmidt had just set and takes off your, you know, your right side attack goes down, right? So they're a little bit different than the team that played Creighton the first time, and Creighton's a little bit different as well. Yeah. Um, they don't have Ellie Bolton, but they do have, you know, uh, Nora Sis back, obviously. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I certainly hope at some point Creighton and Marquette get to play each other at full strength as opposed to just one person always – one team always missing a key cog, you know. So, but Marquette hasn't missed a beat without Enchanti yet. Um, so we'll see how that they handle that. I think they're playing DePaul tonight. I, I don't know what they did, but um, I'll check here real quick as I'm talking. But um, yeah, I mean, it's gonna either way. Marquette's gonna be Marquette's coming in because they want to win that title. You know what I mean? Yeah, so they're sure. coming in. They're coming in as the as the league leader, saying we can put this thing away right now if we handle business um full strength or not right so sunday is going to be a big match for both teams creighton has to you know creighton wants to kind of reassert themselves and get that front runner spot back and um marquette wants to put the race away and win they want to win a title outright for once you know what i mean they're i think they're tired of sharing it as much as creighton is so i think that battle on sunday if both teams get by depaul and it looks like oh dang uh, marquette lost the first set at the Paul and they're up nineteen seventeen in the second, so they're in a dogfight right now. And Fody is setting again, so yeah, Shanti's still out. This will be her fifth straight match that she's missed. Okay. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I can't imagine. I don't know how vo- volleyball coaches work week to week, in my opinion. So I don't know if if two extra days will be enough to get a Shanti back in the lineup, possible. But I can't imagine Marquette wanting to play without her as long as possible, right? I think if they were going to, if she was going to play against Creighton, I think they wanted to play against DePaul just to kind of get the rust knocked off a little bit, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah, I, I would imagine that she'd still be out. 
So probably, yeah, I probably. I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know anything about that specific. I don't know surgery or injury or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Obviously, I think. I mean, of all people to lose, your setter is <laughs> obviously a very hard one to lose. Mm -hmm. so, and Creighton has seen that. So, hopefully, um, I don't know. Hopefully, she's back. I mean, that'd be great. Obviously, to see both teams kind of go at it full strength of you know yeah. who you want in those lineups. That's the hard part of you when you don't have choices over that, but. Especially because um, of the type of setter she is, right? She's a different, you yeah, know, she sets quick tempo. She's dangerous yeah. offensively. Yeah, that that's that makes them different for sure. Yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. Just, I mean, looking forward to, I think, St. John's. Obviously, Creighton getting another shot at them in mm. Queens. That's the match that Marquette lost when they had to go play in Queens. So, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you're going to be ready for that one. And then, I mean, your last well, you know, St. Yeah. John's will be too, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're, probably, they're, they're probably not happy they lost to Nova. Like, they have yeah, to, they, you they know. They're still, so, they're third still in the league. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Nova or St. John's is obviously playing for a lot. And yeah. I mean, St. John's is, I mean, they want to beat you. Everyone wants to beat you, right? If you're Marquette or Creighton, people are going to be ready and they want to beat you. And when they get a chance at home, I think that adds a little extra swagger and energy um, behind your team. I mean, it might be one of the big, if depending on how this weekend goes, you know, when we know Creighton Marquette's going to be a big match, especially if both teams beat DePaul in, you know, in their first match of the weekend. But then, that next weekend for St. John's could be as big of a match for them as they've played since that 2019 Big East tournament run, you know, when they yeah. when they beat when they beat Creighton and Marquette to go to the tournament. Like they're top 50 right now, but they're probably a quality win or two away from being like securely in at large status. And that's if they take care of business against everyone else that they should be, right? So if they do and then they get a chance to play Creighton at home. That could be for their NCAA tournament life more than just a Big East regular season title, you know. So that could be the biggest match that St. John's plays in a long time. So just right there, you know, two of Creighton's next three matches because I think the St. John's match is first that weekend, isn't it? Um, it's second. It looks oh, like. is it, they get Seton Hall first? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, two of their next four are basically going to be NCAA tournament matches. That's kind of what I mean. Like, I think it's postseason time now. You know, all, everybody's gearing up to try to win the conference, but also put themselves in Creighton's position. They're trying to put themselves in position to host. In Marquette's position, they're trying to just solidify, you know, their second season, if you will, because the first season didn't go well. Um, and then, um, you know, if you're Creighton too, you have – a tough one on Friday morning, which is unusual time to play. And you're playing a DePaul team that has, you know, someone in Jill Presley who can, is one of those type of hitters who can win a match on her own, you know, and she's darn near done it a couple times, even in Sokol. Like she's gone into Sokol and played really well and forced Creighton all the way to five. You know, that's not going to be a cakewalk for Creighton to get to Sunday. So if they're looking ahead, that could be a tough deal for them on Friday morning. You know, because Jill Presley is someone who's capable of going 20, 23, 25 kills, you know, hitting 300 or above, uh, you know, just one of those players who's just capable of really disrupting you and, you know, making it tough for you to win that match. Like, you know, just what's that DePaul matchup like when you have a number one option who's capable of being the best player on the floor? 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard, obviously. I think, I mean, the thing for her is sometimes she, all the pieces around her maybe don't play to the level that she's going to play sure. at, and sometimes 100%. that can be challenging. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree, obviously. I think DePaul has a lot to play for, and, I mean, she's going to be kind of the heartbeat of the team of, okay, like, when she says go, you know, the team follows. And in those sorts of situations, you see that, and people typically thrive in situations like that when they're, you know, that key cog hitter and kind of the star of their team. Like, they want to be in those pressure, pressure situations and get the ball and, you know, be responsible for putting the ball away and leading their team, so – I mean, I, I expect DePaul to come in and play really well. I'd be surprised if they didn't, especially, I mean, right now they're sitting at sixth in the league. And for them, yeah. I mean, solidifying a spot in the tournament since six teams go now, I think is a big deal. Obviously, that makes your season a little bit sweeter, you know, when you're playing for that, because ultimately DePaul's, you know, not going to be in the NCAA tournament and those sorts of things. But for yeah. them to make a Big East tournament would be a big deal for them. So they're just trying to solidify like, yes, we can make it and play another weekend of volleyball, play like a tournament type um, environment and just feel good about, you know, what we did this season. Well, especially because last year they didn't have as good of a year as we thought they were going to have, you know, they made the big East tournament when it was just four teams in 2021. And we felt like, okay, maybe DePaul could be a team that, you know, rises to that upper tier and, you know, is a new consistent type of program under that new head coach that, you know, you kind of like have to circle as a tough team in the big East and they had a tough year last year and they didn't sustain that six, that momentum, but you're right. Like looking at them in the big East right now, they're six and six. They're a game ahead of Seton hall for the last spot in the big East tournament. They're 13 and 10 overall, which means, you know, if they get, I don't know, in that 17, 18, 19 win range, they could make the NIVC, which is postseason play. It's valuable for your team. So, yeah, like everybody on the schedule the rest of the way for Creighton is playing for something. Seton Hall and DePaul are playing for Big East Tournament um, qualification. Marquette and St. John's are playing for the Big East regular season title and an NCAA at large. Creighton's playing for uh, hosting um, and the Big East regular season title. Uh, Xavier's Xavier's not even solidly in the Big East tournament yet. They're seven and five, and they've been struggling since they beat Creighton. So they're trying to get themselves back together. And then Seton Hall's only a game out of the Big East tournament right now in their second year of a new coach. So this rest of the schedule right now is just like nothing but bear traps. It just is like you're, I, I think it's clearly postseason time, you know, because you're going to play your Creighton has a lot to play for. Everyone they play, no matter what day it is, will have a lot to play for as well. So I, it just feels like it's go time now, you know? For sure. I mean, it is go time, and that's the fun part of season. I Like we talked about, like, kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel of conference yeah. play. You get to play the best teams in the conference and play really competitive matches. Obviously, I mean, you want to beat every single team, but some weekends are a little bit easier to get up for, right, energy-wise mm-hmm. of, like, man, this team's going to come at us and be really competitive. And then other teams are like, okay, like, you know, we could serve them off the floor if, you know, if we serve yeah. well enough. So there's just different levels. And I think you have that, obviously, just within conference play, always being in the Big East. But, yeah, just, I mean, getting some momentum, playing really well, um, picking up some really valuable wins, like you said. I mean, they could possibly host, you know, if they knock off. Marquette and they beat St. John's. I mean, there's just things to play for. And for all these teams, there's a lot of a lot of things to play for. And 
um, just a lot of motivation. So we should hopefully see some really competitive matches, um, see Creighton play well. Obviously, that's what we always hope for, but ultimately some really good volleyball. It probably makes it easier for Creighton player-wise to come into practice too, doesn't it? Like, you know, it's November, you know, it's not, you're not dragging along. Like you, like you said a lot, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, your goals are kind of like in range to grab them now. Everything you wrote down on your, I don't know if it's like a vision board, but it's like a goal board, right? Like everything yeah. you want to accomplish now is kind of like within your reach. So you show up, I think you show up every day with like a renewed vigor, don't you? Like training isn't so monotonous anymore because you know what your goals are. You know what you're trying to achieve to a degree. Yeah, I would say so. And I think that's why they talk about October being kind of hard because you're at that position of I come to practice every single day and practice for several hours and we're on the road this weekend. We're home this weekend. I'm trying to do school. I'm trying, you know, just trying to like fit everything in and um, just kind of going through the routine. And obviously, I mean, the coaching staff preaches like not looking ahead and it's a game game by game situation. You know, what do we have next? And so that part of it, you just get in that daily routine of, you know, doing your thing, getting wins, hopefully, I mean, taking care of business. And I mean, they're at the point in the season of, I mean, for the most part, right? Like they've taken care of what they really need to take care of. So they still have those goals in sight and they can achieve mm-hmm. them. That, that's the big thing of, can we get through October and can we take care of what we really need to take care of so that we can have those end of season, you know, postseason sorts of conversations of, hey, we're in contention to host. What's our seed going to be like? Otherwise, you can't talk about that, right? If you go and yeah. drop a couple matches. So for them, that's the, they won October. And I mean, you talk about winning October. Um, they won October and now they have November in front of them to hopefully pick up some other really key wins and put themselves in an even, even better position um, postseason. Yeah. I mean, it is, you're, you're right. Cause like, you know, I hear all the time when Creighton plays non-conference teams and, you know, you hear opposing coaches talk about, you know, how good they are and everything. And, it, it, they throw they always they usually one or two of them always throws out a line like yeah i can't see them losing in the big east at all you know even if they drop a set it'd be shocking kind of thing that's challenging like it's hard to do you know especially when you go through a month and a half of it having to basically be perfect against when you're rolling out against a lot of teams that you don't feel like are at your level in the first place so like you know that complacency is your battle as opposed to your opponent so yeah, like it's probably refreshing to get November roll around and say, oh yeah, like finally, you know, we have some teams now in front of us that have as much to take from this as we do. It it gives you like, you know, it just it helps you get that edge to play at like a really high competitive level. So yeah. Um this weekend, DePaul Marquette. So eleven thirty AM is the DePaul match. A little bit different for a Friday. Not gonna be the Friday night party at Sokol like it normally is, but uh it will be kids day. So if you have kids, bring your kids. If you don't have kids, bring your earmuffs because <laughs> it's going to be loud and it's going to be constant and you're not going to be able to hear your thoughts afterwards. So um, that's what I can say for that. Our own Megan Epperson will be on the call, correct? Yep, I will. Okay, so yeah, again, um, unofficial autograph picture session with Meg Epperson before and after the match, <laughs> not during, let her work. Um, and then Marquette will be Sunday if, if Creighton takes care of business. Uh, Marquette is up three to one in the third set after winning the second 25 20. So, um, yeah, they're in a dogfight with DePaul a little bit right now. 
so yeah if, but if but if marquette loses then everyone's tied um and either way in that sunday match if creighton wins against the paul will be for i guess first place so as usual and marquette's back in the top 25 in the poll that we don't like to talk about but so it'll be a top 25 matchup ncaa will be hyping it up on their social media so yeah sunday 1 p.m will be fun at Sokol too should be lit um that's all i got meg what do you got anything else I don't think so. Are you going to charge for autographs and pictures, or is it is it free? <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to ask you for a photo or an autograph. So, well, there you go. Pull off, pull off an upset. Free. Okay, she, free autographs. There you go. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It was good talking to y'all. Um, we'll be back at you next week after Creighton plays DePaul and Marquette to look back on the weekend and look ahead to another big one against Seton Hall and St. John's. So. We hope everyone has a good week. Hope we'll see you at the arena, and we'll talk to you soon.